to have you all here today. And for those of you online, just want to say hi. And uh, we are going through a summer series called Re-Reimagine. We're kind of walking with Jesus here through his life as he's reimagining the world as it could be and should be. And today we're talking about him reimagining scripture. That's dicey. <laughs> yeah. I, why you ask me to put for these things, I don't know. But yeah, no, it is dicey. Yeah. But, it's, but it's an interesting journey, and I'm excited about what you're going to be talking about today. For, for sure. sure. And uh, now, the reason why it's so dicey is because people have very intense feelings about the Bible. They did at the time of Jesus, they do now. And so when people have very intense feelings about the Bible, and somebody comes along and challenges those feelings, you get in trouble. And Jesus got in trouble because he reimagined how to approach the Bible. But listen to what is said uh, in, in uh, the book of James. The book of James talks about how to perceive the scripture itself. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And I think if there's so much focus on the ink and the parchment, like those words, you know, my Bible, those words, and kind of obeying and believing, but not getting to the heart of the matter, we become simply uh, hearers, but not doers. And then it says this, and I love this passage in terms of how we operate at Rancho, is we do so much that reveals the heart of God, like embracing the children, like Johnny and Friends Camp for Special Needs. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So doing the word is advancing the cause of Christ, doing what Jesus did, and we get to do so much of that, for sure. Yeah, it's true, and I, I, and they talked about Johnny and Friends last week, and I just want to let you guys know, you, we, we have an incredible band up here. This band came up two times, wow. up and down, just to lead worship for That's these cool. families, and to watch people that are on this journey. We have some of these band members that come because of what we do yeah. and what they hear us talk about, not just become hearers. Yeah. That's interesting. Just saying that, just right now when you said that, it's interesting. Becoming hearers, becoming focused just on the words yeah. without how it impacts our life being the main goal right. is when we can deceive ourselves. 100%. When we can get in our heads where it says knowledge puffs up but love builds up. It's a journey, and, and it is a journey. hard journey, especially yeah. if you're raised, anyone raised in church here, if you're raised in church, right, you're raised in a very specific, this is the Word of God, this is the Bible, and it's just kind of be driven in us, this is what, what you believe, do. what you believe, this is what, what to you believe. believe, what exactly. you believe, what you right. believe, yeah, right. and, and a lot of people have, don't know what to do when they grow up. Right, all right, so let's <laughs> talk about that. Okay. Because we're going to talk about the, the stages of growing up here. The Bible is always talking about growing up, growing up. Um, I love 1 Corinthians 14, 20. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature and understanding. Now, it is so easy to keep being a baby. You're taken care of. You're fed. It's so difficult to grow up because now you have complex thinking. Uh, maybe some of the things you used to believe, you're being challenged now, and you're having different ideas, different opinions, complex thinking, complex relationships. It is so hard to grow up. But Jesus talks about wanting us to grow up. Jesus reimagined engaging Scripture in a mature way, and we'll put this on the screen. He reimagined engaging Scripture in a mature way, more than just wrote rules to follow, right? Right? but a journey of finding and following the heart of God. A journey of finding and following the heart of God through the Bible, Old and New Testament. So let's start in preschool, right? Preschool is when somebody tells you what to believe and do and you agree. And you just agree, right. I mean, it's, all of us go through this with our own kids. I right. love when we are talking about this and, and looking at the stages of faith it, it, or uh, stages of how we approach the mm -hmm. Bible. We all do that as young people. Right. I mean, 
when you're talking about your little kids, how many of you just sometimes when your kids got a little older, you go, I just wish they were five again. <laughs> they just do what I say and they yes. just follow along and yes, it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And, and that is a, it's an important stage. It is, for sure. There's no doubt that it's an important stage, but as parents, it's hard when your kids start growing up right. and they begin to change some of that thinking. They begin to push back on some of the things right. that you talk about. But I think there's a stage before that, right, where they begin to grab hold of things themselves. Remember your right. kids, you go from preschool to like what, elementary school. Let's talk about elementary. You know? With elementary, somebody tells you what to believe and do, you agree and then repeat. So here we have a picture of these elementary kids. They have learned some stuff, right? Maybe they've learned some simple math. Now they're having to repeat that simple math on a test. So that's a stage of faith as well. You go from preschool, which is really kind of the pastor tells you what to believe, the pastor tells you what to do, and you kind of blindly nod your head. At the elementary stage of engaging the scripture, now you're able to kind of articulate what the pastor has said. Now keep in mind, 83% of people choose a church because of the sermons, which means a lot of church world is about hearing from the pastor, kind of believing what this person says about God's word, but not really struggling through it. That's not only preschool, but that's elementary age. But at least in elementary, you're able to kind of articulate what you heard. Yeah, you're starting to believe it yourself. Right. It's, you know, you get that idea where it's no longer your parents' faith, right? right? But you begin to, as you get older, man, I could add things up. I could go to the store and I could like right. pick something out, look at the price, Think understand it. how much I have, right. how much change I should get. And that's exciting. Right. That's an exciting time when the Bible and what you're teaching begins to become your own and you start seeing it yourself and right. seeing how you apply it in your own family. Yep. It gets to the start risky. It's, it could start being used yep. in interesting ways at that time too. You know, when your kids start getting a little rebellious and you're like, you know, God says or God, you know, right. that's where the tension starts. Yep. You know, the, the tension can start happening at that age. But at that point, you're still just following along. But it doesn't exactly. stop there. <laughs> So, they become teenagers and move on a little bit more. Right. It doesn't stop there when kids are growing up, but it does stop there a lot with people in their faith. Yes. I, I would say a lot, if not most, people stop at that elementary age. And I totally understand, and you and I talk a lot about this. So much is changing in the world. Culture changes, technology changes, communication changes, our job changes, everything's changing around us. Can't we just go to church and keep it simple? Can't we just go to church hear a sermon, a couple of songs, and not be challenged? Can't I just go to church and chill out without having to be challenged in my faith? And the answer is a resounding yes. You can stay at the elementary level of your faith. I could stay at the elementary level of my faith. We have the choice to do that. It would be fine. But there is this calling in Scripture, particularly Hebrews 5 and 6, which we're going to dive into right now. Hebrews 5 and 6 is calling us to go beyond elementary school in our faith and get to that secondary level. Here's what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 5:11. We have so much to say, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. This is a person who is saying, I'm done trying to understand anything deeper than what I've learned so far in my preschool and elementary stage of my faith. I'm comfortable with my faith. I believe what I believe. When I was in a child, I was told what to believe. When I was in youth group, I was told what to believe. And I'm fine. Don't challenge me there. I don't want to try to understand. But Hebrews 6 goes on to say, listen, at some point, it's time to grow up. Let's move beyond the elementary teaching about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from sin and faith in God. 
Let's move on from the elementary things. Why is it so hard for us to want to move on? Well, I think it's hard for us to let people move on. True. You know, I remember as a, we were youth pastors for a long yeah. time before phones, right? <laughs> I could just talk and the kids are all, oh yeah, that sounds good. Right. Now, man, as it got, phones got on internet, they're out there. Right. All of a sudden they're telling, I just found 10,000 websites to say you're wrong. Right. <laughs> so critical thinking becomes something right. we want our young people to do as long as it stays aligned with what we told them. And most churches stick with that that elementary, that, that stage two kind of presenting of the scriptures. And I think a lot of people in our culture, it's, it's a different culture. It's a different culture where there's so much information. If you're going to be a critical thinker, Mm -hmm. it's easy to be critical now. And it's easy to begin to expand your mind and question things. And I, I think that becomes in a lot of ways, we're taught if you question things, you're falling away. Right. You're doubting, you're backsliding, whatever. Yeah. Right. what you're saying or what we're trying to say is maybe when you're questioning things, you're growing up. Exactly. And those are two different ways of thinking about and it, it and how you do that. it freaks people out. And I not mean, just the people yeah. that are around you. It right. freaks you out as yeah, well. it's difficult. <laughs> when you're going through right. that, you know. Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, you, you and I both kind of share the same story that we were, uh, you know, we grew up in a pretty linear way of thinking. This is right. You know, there isn't the internet. There is, this is dark ages. There's smoke signals. And, and, and we were raised with this very linear kind of thinking. This is the proper doctrine. This is the proper way to live. This is right. This is wrong. This is what the Bible says. And, and, and that's not bad, but that is preschool and elementary. It is a good, healthy foundation. There's no question about that. But now you get into a little crisis when you're beyond elementary and you're now going to secondary. So let's call this secondary where someone tells you what to believe and do, then you critically think through and articulate what you're learning. Now, you might critically think and say, okay, I'm not sure I'm down with what I was taught in preschool and elementary stage or in children's ministry or youth group. I'm discovering through God's word something that might be a little different. It's hard to go through that. It's hard for the people around you. And you're kind of getting off, as we used to say, the reservation where this was a tight, group, right? This was a, 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 a very well-defined kind of faith parameter for our kids or for our family. Now, all of a sudden, critical thinking, they're reading, they're doing things, they're processing, and they're coming up with some different conclusions based on God's word. It is scary. But listen to Hebrews 5.13. For everyone who partakes of only milk, this is the basic stuff, right, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Milk is someone else preparing things for you. Right? Someone else does the work. This is, this, is, this is about lactation. Let's just get right to it. Right? Someone else is doing the work. Moms, you do incredible work when it comes to giving milk to your little, little ones. Right? You're doing all the work, and the baby's just there receiving. That's what happens at the younger parts of, of faith when someone else is processing all the food for you. But there's solid food available, right? Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. They're growing up. That is those who by reason have, have uh, since exercised to discern both good and evil. They have reason now along with the word of God, along with a broader community, and they're no longer just being fed milk that others have processed. Uh, you know, I, again, I talked about this. I mentioned this here. Is It's hysterical to me. I mean, like truly hysterical to me when adults say, I need to go to a church that feeds me meat. Well, wait a minute. You're wanting to go to a church where someone else does all the work and feeds you. Adults don't speak like that. Adults don't need to be fed. Adults get beyond the lactation stage where somebody else is doing all the work. That's all milk. And now they're able to wrestle through the word of God themselves, yeah. reason through it, critically think through it. 
And reason's an interesting thing. You know, I, I have a couple boys in my home that in middle school, going into the high school, went on this stage. Yeah. And, I, and I think they began to look, they became intelligent. I mean, I, my son used this term intelligent reader and an intelligent reader, not just reading a book, but looking at the world around them. And I think we, we live in an age right now where there's a lot of people that are critical of things based on like what they're seeing in the world around them, and even critical of the ways they used to read the Bible right. and the ways they used to see the Bible. Uh, last week we had Monica with us, and she talked about going to church and going, I'm reading this life of Jesus, and I'm not seeing it. And that made her critical, you know, a critical thinker. She was older when she became, and I think that's an interesting stage. You critically think through what you're learning, and then you're trying to articulate not just what you were handed down as a kindergartner or a preschooler, right, but now you're trying to say, hey, this matters to me, and so many times as a parent, you're like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. If, if they come <laughs> up it. with anything <laughs> that I think I see this differently, and I don't know, when it says in places like Thessalonians and that verse to determine what's good and what's not, I think some of history we do that with, even looking at the Bible sometimes and kind of going, man, a way of approaching that, I don't know, I see it differently now. And that's not, that's just kind of challenging maybe interpretation. You're not challenging or questioning the Bible. You're kind of beginning to challenge maybe the interpretation. Right. That level two elementary school said, this is the only way to do it. Right. And to begin to realize that, oh my goodness, you look at the world around you and, and things begin to change. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting journey. It happened to me. Yeah, for and sure. And it's happened to a lot of people. And Absolutely. we want to be a place where you can do that. Right. You know? and, and that is real maturity. And even to the point, so this is an analogy here about going through the stages of school, but even in school, I, I, let's just say Rancho Christian. You know, Rancho Christian is a, is a Christian school, but we want to teach our kids the, some different views about how to interpret scripture. And even some parents, when you are teaching kids in a Christian school, a Christ-centered, biblically-based, say, lesson that includes the reality that there even exists different views, some parents go absolutely out of their minds because they're, they're so afraid of having their kids get to that um, adolescent or secondary stage. Let's talk about the undergraduate stage now. The undergraduate stage not only is critically thinking, but is listening to many voices uh, to learn and grow and enjoy a lifelong journey of knowing and following God through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. This is other voices. Now, this is, gets even more scary. So not only are you critically thinking through what you're reading in the Scripture and what you're learning at church, but now you're actively engaging other voices. Um, we have a very well-read staff. I love that we have a well-read staff, which means, I mean, sometimes we go through books together that are challenging books. And we wrestle through these things and we're disagreeing with each other, but we wanna be well-read, not just in terms of reading different approaches to the Bible, but you know, reading about, differently about Bible interpretation, about how it intersects with culture. So as an undergraduate student, you're hearing a lot of voices out there, lots of different professors, right? I love it when Rancho churchgoers say, hey, listen, I heard another sermon from this person I saw online or whatever, that's fantastic. Believe me, church, you don't want these voices and the rest of our preaching staff to be the only voices in your life. Believe me. This guy gets so much wrong, you can't even believe. Right? No, we all do. I mean, we're fallible human beings. We don't have a corner on the market of, of all truth. Read widely. And, and I, I'm telling you, if I had a wish, <laughs> this would be Rancho. The undergraduate level, this would be Rancho. One of the things I love the most is uh, we went out to lunch after a sermon and we were at a restaurant and we were mixing it up about the word of God and what was said. And we agreed here and we disagreed here. It's like, fantastic. 
you're maturing, you're growing, you're understanding. You know, it's a scary stage, though, because I, I find when you get to this stage and you begin to read outside, you know, the box. It started with me like 15, 17, 18 years ago when I'd ever hear like Christianity Today, I remember had this guy on there and he says, oh, they warned about this book. And I go, oh, man. <laughs> I got to read this book. <laughs> and I found this book really resonated in my heart and mind because one of the things I started doing is I started getting this focus on what, what would, how do I love more like Jesus? And I wanted to start reading books that kind of led me into that loving more like Jesus. But when you begin to read outside the box and you begin to read having more voices, some people just revert right. They go backward, they revert back. They got to get back to where some people bail on their faith. It gets to be, a, when you start realizing the way I was raised isn't the only way, sometimes it's like, well, what do I believe? Yeah, and then they they throw it all out. Right. Some people go back to the earlier stage where it's more certain and it's more this, and I just want to go to a church that's like this. And then some people, which a lot of people I know come to Rancho because of this, right. they, they begin to say, I'm okay with this journey. There was a time in my life where I stopped having to say, that was a good book. I didn't agree with all of it. Right. <laughs> like, really? I don't have to say that anymore. Right. It's obvious. People don't agree with me. I don't, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. But you're seeking understanding in a bigger picture. And I'm seeking people now that want that lead me closer to Jesus, mm -hmm. to the life of Jesus. I've read a lot of non-Christian, like philosophical books that I left going, oh, dang, this person challenged my very love of people more than a Christian book I've read in a long time. And that, that becomes a beautiful journey. Like when you, when Jesus and loving and how it actually impacts my life, that one passage in Hebrew, one of the translations says, but by constant use, yeah, right. you go from milk to meat. Right. It's by the use. So what is, what part of my theology is this, this hobby out here? I want to know more. So I have this knowledge that puffs up. I know all this. When love builds up, all of a sudden there's so much I feel like was an oh, yeah. emphasis that's just been put over here because real life, I'm just trying to figure out how to love my wife and my kids and my neighbor and people and, yeah. and really live this life out. And that's that, that stage, it gets really beautiful. It, it can, it can it be can. If, you, if you let it be a beautiful thing in your life. If it's not a backsliding right. time, <laughs> right? But a growing up time yeah. when you begin to question, what's good, what's evil? What have I been taught that I might deem as, I don't see it that way anymore. Right. That's okay. It's okay if we're still focusing on Christ and we're still trying to grow and move forward, I think it's a beautiful thing, it but, it, it, but it can be scary at times. Let's talk about the last phase, which is the graduate phase. If you've been to graduate school, you know you do a lot of student teaching, right? You're, you're doing guest lecturing. So you actually become one of the voices people learn from and grow from on their journey to know and follow God through Jesus Christ. And that happens a lot around here. We have dozens of volunteer pastors. Uh, you help to lead that. Uh, we have people that go to Rancho Studio to get uh, further equipped as a voice that people listen to. We have what we call uh, leadership communities, uh, LCDs, leadership community uh, <laughs> development, and uh, where people are saying, I'm going to step up to be a voice in people's lives. I'm going to open my home, and I'm going to have, say, a sermon-based small group. I'm going to lead a class on Wednesday night of young marrieds or empty nesters or, you know, um, we're going to start uh, this uh, fall on Wednesday nights, uh, Bible studies and theology classes and seasonal life groups where there are going to be a lot of voices pouring into Rancho. And uh, so as we embrace that undergraduate, that you know what, I'm going to be widely read, I'm going to, I'm going to be challenged, I'm going to, be, I'm going to critical think, I'm going to walk this journey, this complex journey, now I'm going to step up to be a voice for other people as well. 
Yeah, That's and, you, and, and the cool powerful. thing is, just to encourage you, it's like we never leave any of the stages behind. True. Yep. We're in the midst of all these stages. There's sometimes I just read something and I feel like I'm in, what is it, like uh, preschool again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yes. I'm yeah. just buying what this guy says or this woman says or this person says. And, and I, I find that I'm in the midst of all these yeah, like, for sure. at times in my life. And so... You know, we just want to be a place. We always talk about being a learning, a diverse learning community, and that's what yeah, that means, exactly. you know? And I think that is a, a cool way to grow up. Yeah. And Jesus reimagined that. I know you're going to talk about it, yeah. but he, like, <laughs> really upset. We talked about right. this last week. He upset the people that were just, this is, uh, we put our, yeah. you know, stakes in the ground, mm-hmm. and he's wrestling and, and kind of challenging those so old Jesus, thoughts. Jesus was that graduate level he where was. he became the voice that people listened to, but then he also equipped his disciples to be a voice that people listened to, which is why we have the New Testament. Honestly, they grew up in their faith and they became a voice that we listened to. Listen to Hebrews 5.12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. So the writer of Hebrews is saying to these Hebrew followers of Jesus, you've been following Jesus a very long time and you're still back in the elementary level. You should be teaching. You should be doing something with your life that is influencing the people around you. Uh, You need someone to teach you, again, the very first principles, as you've said. Sometimes we need those early reminders, but we also need that encouragement to say at some point, and this may not be for everybody, but at some point, we grow in our faith, we're challenged in our faith, we're critically thinking through our faith, we're we're receiving other voices in our faith to say, you know what, I'm going to be a voice in the lives of others. I'm going to talk to others. I'll be a counsel to others. I'm going to have a group in my home. I'm going to, you know, walk a road to become a volunteer pastor around Rancho. I'm going to be a voice. Um, Not needing milk so much, but needing that, but craving that solid food and then being a teacher, being someone who influences. So those are the stages of uh, engaging God's word. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it is. Super fun. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Appreciate you, Steve. All right. Take care. All right. We mentioned that all this is Jesus' fault. (laughs) And it absolutely is. So we're going to talk about how Jesus really upset the norms of his time. He really upset the norms of his time. Jesus was very clear that the Hebrew people had missed the point of the Scripture. The Hebrew people were obsessed with the Scripture. They were obsessed with the ink and the parchment. Uh, these scribes and Pharisees literally memorized every single syllable of the first five books of the Bible. I mean, check your Bibles. That's a gnarly amount of scripture. They memorized it all because they were so in love. You could almost say idolatrously worshiping the text. They loved the text, but they missed the whole point. Here's a very famous example. Here are these scribes and Pharisees. Memorize the Torah. Memorize the law of God. Memorize the ink and the parchment. Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, uh, anise, and cumin. In other words, they were so obsessed with obeying the, the, the letter of the law, the ink, and the parchment that they were actually tithing, giving 10% of their spice rack to the temple, thinking they were obeying the law that they had memorized. But Jesus says, you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. You've neglected the weightier matters of the very words you memorized. Justice, mercy, and faith. The people stuff, you're not interested in people. You lay heavy burdens on people. You don't love people. That's the heart of God's word. You're too busy, you know, memorizing and trying to obey all these jots and tittles and laws as though you're trying to please God by your faithful obedience, but you're missing the entire point of love, of service, of mercy, of justice. 
So Jesus is having to kind of unwind this whole paradigm of how to approach the scripture. He does this most famously in the Sermon on the Mount. He got in trouble right away, right out of the gate. The first part of his ministry, he's reimagining how we approach the Bible itself. Here's what he says, Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And they were very proud of the fact that they did not kill people. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So here they thought they were obeying the letter of the law, but Jesus moves past the letter of the law and says, wait a minute, it's not just about, you know, not killing people. It's about not hating people, not being angry with people. Goes on to say, not even calling somebody a fool. Love people, that's the heart of the law. But they were actually using the law to hate on people. Boy, is that happening today. (laughs) Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. Okay, I'm not technically cheating on my husband or technically cheating on my wife. Therefore, I'm obeying the law. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is saying, listen, you're so obsessed with the letter of the law. You think you're doing good, but it's about the people. It's about loving exclusively your spouse, having eyes exclusively for your spouse. It's about love. Not the letter of the law, the heart of the law, which is love. Matthew 5, 38, another example. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said in the law, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's in God's word. So they're thinking, you know what? If that person likes me, I like them. I'm obeying the law. If that person hates me, I hate them back. I'm obeying the law. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You punch me in my face, I'm punching you in your face. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's in the law. I'm doing good, right? But Jesus says, Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. You mean I have to take some of this stuff and love people who don't love me? He's redefining, reimagining how we approach God's word, how we approach the law, look past the ink, look past the parchment, and see the heart of the law, which is a heart of love. Not just loving people who love you, but loving your enemies. Love those who come against you. Similarly, Matthew 5, 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was the phrase going around. We talked about this a few weeks ago. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Redefining their understanding of Scripture. Look beneath the ink, beneath the parchment, and see the heart of God. And the heart of God is to love everyone, even those who are persecuting you. In their elementary minds, they were stuck. And the, the word of God, the scripture is about telling me what to believe and telling me what to do, the laws I have to keep in order to, you know, make God happy. Jesus was saying, you've got it all wrong. You memorized it, but you've got the whole approach wrong. I've got several pages of other examples. I'll give you one more. The Sabbath. You might know it's one of the core commandments in the big 10, right? It's the first, first commandment that has to do with how we live our lives. Keep the Sabbath. That's keeping that Saturday holy. You take that Saturday, you worship, you don't work. That's embedded in the Ten Commandments. So here's Jesus and his disciples. They're wandering from one city to the next because they were kind of, you know, itinerant preachers from city to city. They're walking on a Saturday. They're already in trouble. They're hungry. And so they're doing what was legally allowed, which is you go to a farm and you pick the edges of the farm, pick grain at the edges of the farm so you can eat as you travel. Perfectly legal. But it was on a Saturday. So the Pharisees and the scribes, who must have been walking to find them doing this, by the way, start judging the disciples. Jesus, you are of the devil. Your disciples are working on Saturday. 
And Jesus says this, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. That is a total reimagining of the word of God. That God gave the scripture to benefit us, not for us to benefit God. So many religious folks believe that God gave us the commands, the word of God, so that we will obey the word of God and please God so he will go from mad with us to happy with us, from maybe cursing us to blessing us, as though the Bible was given so that we would please God. God actually gave us the Bible so that he would please us. Hey, you need a day of rest once a week. That's to benefit us. We turn that all around and say, here are the rules and regulations about what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath, right? It's a total different approach, but it's what Jesus reimagined. Jesus reimagined the scriptures, encouraging us to love the word of God, but also love the world around us. That's the reimagining that Jesus was doing. Finally, before we take communion together, let's talk about what the true word of God is. The true word of God is not just the ink and the parchment, or with your Bibles, the high-end Bibles, the ink and the onion skin, or the digital Bibles, the, the ones and zeros that make up the word of God. The true word of God is not the ink, is not the letters. The true word of God is not an inanimate object. The true word of God is not a what. The true word of God is a who. Let's understand that Jesus Christ is the true word of God. John chapter one just settles that so clearly. In the beginning, the word already existed. This is the beginning of the beginning. This is eternity past, if we can put it that way. The word is eternal. As we've come to know it in theological terms, the, the second person of the, our triune God, eternally with the Father. The word was with God and the word was God. The word, the true eternal word, Jesus Christ became human flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The true word of God, capital T, capital W, is in fact Jesus Christ. The Bible is an incredible gift that God gave us so that we would see Jesus Christ, the true word. To put it this way, the Bible, the inspired word of God, is all about Jesus, cover to cover, the true and eternal word of God. It is all about Jesus. Every single syllable, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation is all about revealing Jesus to us. And that's exactly what Jesus said in John 5 as he's reimagining scripture. He says to these people who had memorized it, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. They were thinking the scripture gives me life. They missed the whole point. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. It's almost as though Jesus is saying, you know, keep memorizing the ink on the parchment. Go for it. You're missing the whole point. You think it's some kind of way that, that you know, you're going to make God happy. The more you are in it and the more you do it and the more you believe it and the more you obey it, you think somehow you're earning favor with God or earning, as Jesus says, eternal life. There's people who believe that today. There's people who actually believe that, that us believing and obeying the scripture gets us to eternal life with God. It's all about us. It's all about the ink on the parchment. Jesus saying, is saying, listen, the word of God is precious, but the word of God reveals me. And I am telling you, 
God loves you. I'm telling you God forgives you. I'm telling you God gives you eternal life now and that we can enjoy forever by grace, not by having to obey and believe everything that's on the paper. The paper reveals Jesus, and that is a tremendous gift, a tremendous gift. The Bible, the inspired word of God is all about Jesus, the true and eternal word of God. And I'm telling you, receiving that truth is eternal life. To put it very starkly, and try not to confuse me here. (laughs) I'm easily confused. Some people spend their life, as the Pharisees did, obsessed with the Bible. And they never see Jesus. They're obsessed with the Bible. They teach the Bible, they preach the Bible, they read the Bible, they memorize the Bible, and yet they carry this burden that these are the things I have to believe. Do I believe the right things? These are the things I have to do. Am I doing the right things? As though God is somehow, you know, looking down, I've given you this kind of roadmap. I've given you this this law. Are you going to obey or not? Are you going to believe or not? We'll see. And I'll judge you whether you do or don't. That is a slavish burden of religion. If we can turn that around and reimagine scripture, that it is is a beautiful Holy Spirit-inspired gift that God gave us to reveal Jesus. And the more we see Jesus, the more we see the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and those burdens are lifted, and we can just enjoy him and enjoy his grace and enjoy his love because what Jesus revealed is the love of God. As you have your communion cups, We're going to close by taking communion together. For those of you who are online, you can grab uh, some elements uh, at home, bread, some juice, some wine. Uh, We do this the last Sunday of every month. As the scripture reveals Jesus, so does the Last Supper. We read in scripture, Jesus gathered his disciples together and he shared the Passover meal, which is commanded in the word of God. But he says, we're going to reimagine this. This bread and this juice is actually going to symbolize me and my love for you. Even the Passover was pointing to me. I am the one who will lay down my life out of love for this world. I will be swallowed up by the evil and the pride and the violence of this world. I will bear the full sin of this world. I will become a victim of this world's evil. My body will be broken and my blood will be shed. So take the bread at the top of your cup there and eat that in remembrance of Jesus Christ. And then at the Last Supper, Jesus took the wine of the Passover meal and he says, this will now remind you of my blood which is shed for you. The full extent of my love pouring out as my body is broken, as I am bleeding and dying, becoming a victim of this world's sin and evil That is how much I love you. That's the extent of my love for you. Nothing will stop my love for you. And I will give my life for this cause to show you how forgiven you are, how loved you are, how embraced you are by God. So take that cup and drink in remembrance of Jesus. Let me pray. It'll be a prayer of simple faith for some of you. In fact, I talked to someone last night who recently came to faith because of this very message. For some of you, this will be the day you are unburdened by the law, the ink and the parchment. And you will be free to reimagine not only scripture, but reimagine your relationship with God. It is Jesus who loves you, proved that love by the crucifixion and brings you to a right relationship with God. This is the day you'll receive that. 
And let his resurrection on the third day prove that nothing can stop the love that God has for you. Let's accept that through prayer. God, we thank you for your word, this beautiful gift inspired by your Holy Spirit, profitable in every way for us, specifically to reveal Jesus. And as we see in your word revealing Jesus, we see Jesus revealing uh, just how much you love us, that you have saved us, you have forgiven us, you have given us new and eternal life, and we see the proof of that by the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. We receive that today. In Christ's name we pray.